Hey everybody, welcome to a Sunday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock. We are sitting in the grass out front of the Browns facility here, so I don't know what you're going to hear in the background, uh, but this is live, raw audio. It's I guess so it's nice. not live, right? We're, we're in the shade. It's yeah. like I said when we sat down, it's like when you're in college and the professor says, let's have <laughs> class outside today. That's what we're doing. Yeah, so this is just the, you know, raw outdoor audio from uh, from after the Browns practiced here on a Sunday, their first practice back in Berea. Uh, since the Philly trip, it was, well, let's just start here. Let's let's get into the guys that talked today. Let, let's start there. And Mary Kay, we heard from Elijah Moore, and we were actually talking before practice that we hadn't really heard from Elijah since the Greenbrier, I think. I don't think I've I had left the Greenbrier when he talked already. Um, so this was our first chance to talk to Elijah and talk about his role in this offense, which is really intriguing. It involves running the football, lining up in the backfield, doing a lot of that Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill type stuff. Um, and he seems pretty excited to sort of explore what he can do in this. Yeah, you know, I mean, first, what I want to say about Elijah is I think he's got a ton of star power, and I think Browns fans are going to love Elijah Moore this year. I got a chance to talk to him one-on-one for a while uh, at the Greenbrier, and uh, I came away so impressed uh, after that conversation that I had with Elijah Moore. He's, you know, he's just smart, thoughtful, dynamic, great personality, got a little flair to him. And speaking of flair, that's exactly what's happening with him on the football field. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, they're, you know, he's lining up as a running back in the slot outside. They're doing everything possible with him. Uh, now, the thing about that, I think that, you know, everybody's going to have to be a little bit leery or careful about is the fact that he's not a big guy. And if you're going to do all those things with him, you know, he's going to be at risk for injury. And there's just nothing you can do about that. Uh, he has had some injuries in his career. Um, so, you know, he plays hard. He plays tough. He's going to be getting tackled by linebackers he's listed at 510 but I remember looking at his college listing and it was 58 now he's probably grown since then so you know maybe he is 510 but you know he's like 59 510 180 and that's the thing that I think you're going to have to to be mindful of in that first game that he played he emerged with a rib injury now he's back out on the practice field, but that's the only thing that concerns me a little bit because they have so much built around him that if he leaves the lineup for any length of time, it takes a huge chunk of your offense away. Yeah, and look, the story of this whole offseason has been about running backs, right, and longevity and the beating they take. That is one of the most physical positions. There's a reason these guys' bodies break down faster than almost any other position because of just every time they touch the ball, they get hit, and then they have to pass block and stuff. So he's not a running back, but playing the position, Ashley, does mean that he's going to be exposed to some of that contact that running backs take so often. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's like Mary Kay, you asked him about this because like Debo Samuel has talked about like not wanting to kind of have that role for basically that exact reason and like what is happening to running backs across the league and not wanting to have to do everything that way. But I do think like it's interesting to hear Elijah's perspective on it. And I think Elijah basically kind of started off by saying, well, like I'm not a running back, which like I know and they know and like I can do all these things and that's his strength. And to him, like it almost just like harkens back to when he was a little kid and like playing on the playground and playing in his youth league. That's what he said. And he said, that's what it feels like. So I know I said this on our video too, but like, I just think it's really cool to like 
see a guy that excited about his role in the offense and what he's doing and to kind of have that aspect come back to him a little, especially knowing like what his reputation was when he left New York and how that exit went. So Mary Kay, when you think about what Elijah Moore can mean to this offense, I feel, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but just hearing him talk today and hearing Kevin, I think Kevin's excited about it too, to finally have a player of this caliber. Um, Just why, why does that make this offense better to have him and, and all of these things that he can do? Well, they want to just be so multiple. They want to be so versatile. And if, as you have brought up before, uh, Kevin Stefanski has, you know, had Percy Harvin. Uh, Alex Van Pelt has had a Randall Cobb. Uh, you know, we've seen guys here that have done multiple things. I mean, you've done some things with Josh Cribbs here. I mean, there, there have other been other guys that have done cool things like that. And um, so, you know, I just think it allows Kevin Stefanski to be really creative. And I think last year, you know, people kind of criticized him for being really vanilla and not creative enough. Well, that was yesterday because now I'll tell you what, he's going to think of everything possible for Elijah Moore to do. They're going to watch film of other guys that are in this genre. And and I think you're just going to, it's going to be dynamite. I think it's going to be so much fun this year to watch him. And, and Ashley, I mean, you, you just kind of hit on it for Elijah, taking him back to, to use ball. The, the other thing about this is, like, he's a pretty good receiver, too. It's not just yeah. gimmicky. Like, he can just line up and play receiver, too. And that's the thing. I mean, I think when we talked about the Commanders game, I know, Dan, you brought this up. I think this is probably, like, the one slight criticism of that drive that a lot of what we saw with him was, like, the gimmicky playground stuff. But, I mean, we've seen plenty of him not doing that. I think, like, you just need more game snaps to, to see him do that, obviously, right? But I think what I've come away from this preseason, like, really impressed with is not just his speed, but, like, how precise of a route runner he is, too. Um, and I know he, like, talked about that, but I think it's different to, like, see it every single day in practice and especially see him in those one-on-ones where you can really like focus in on what his feet and lower body are doing and all that stuff. Like it is, it just looks really, really impressive. And I think he's a great pairing with Amari Cooper in part because of that. All right, let's talk about another guy whose role we've discussed a lot and that's Greg Newsom. And he spoke today, he's back on the field and vibe check here. Mary Kay Greg seems pretty content with what he's doing in this defense. He's either just accepted the fact that he's got to play nickel or he's just really happy with how nickel works in this defense. Maybe a little, probably a little bit of both. But it just seems like he's a little more at peace with sort of where he is in this defense right now. Yeah, absolutely. When he talks about playing in the slot this year, it's an entirely different vibe than what he felt like he was asked to do last year. Every single time we ask him about last year, he feels like he was playing linebacker more than cornerback. And he doesn't feel that way anymore. Now he knows he is going to be covering those smaller, shiftier Elijah Moore type receivers when he's in the slot. Uh, you know, he's going to be doing so many different things. And they've also, uh, you know, kind of pointed out to him how some of the best cornerbacks in the NFL uh, have made a name for themselves, have made the Pro Bowl uh, by, you know, playing that nickel role. And, and so I think he just feels so much better about it. And I think Jim Schwartz knew how to, you know, like bring him in and make sure that he felt good about what he was going to be doing because you have to have your team leaders and your first-round picks happy. I mean, you just have to because that permeates the locker room. You know, that's your leadership council. Uh, they're going to set the tone for the other guys. You cannot have unhappy Miles and unhappy Greg and unhappy, 
you know, any of those, any of those kind of guys. Unhappy Z. You know, you, you, Jim's been around long enough to know <laughs> that you have to make those guys happy and excited about their role. And I think that's what's happening with Greg right now. He said versatility a number of, like, excited, he, like, seemed excited to show off his versatility. Yeah. Um, he said that a couple of times, and actually it reminds me of the Combine when we asked Andrew, when all of this was still pretty fresh, and we asked Andrew Barry about, like, what his thoughts were on Greg maybe not wanting to play in the slot. And Andrew kind of said, well, what we liked about Greg was his versatility. Right. And so for Greg to sort of be embracing that now, and it's easy to say in August, but at least he's saying it, for him to be embracing that now, it seems like he kind of understands things a little better. Yeah, and like I think too, like I wonder if part of it, especially with last year and when he got disgruntled, it's like with that defense last year, we also heard a lot about versatility and how versatile guys were and different guys were, but like it felt like they didn't really use that, right? Like there were still, it felt most of the time, like very defined roles in that defense last year. Um, but in Jim Schwartz's scheme, especially with the DBs, like, I think we're actually seeing that versatility and like it, it may have just been a buzzword before, but I think like, oh, when you see different looks with the safeties and there's no free and strong safety and you see these guys actually like we've seen Denzel Ward get in the slot, and Martin Emerson, like it hasn't just been all Greg. I think that that is also helping that maybe it's like, OK, well, I heard a lot of this last year from a different defensive coordinator and like I'm hearing some similar things in terms of like what position they want me at but it's looking different and, and as always like I think if you start winning games like if they had won games last year I'd be really curious to see if Greg Newsom was as outspoken by the end of the season as he was about not wanting to play in the slot yeah that's true winning masks a lot and makes a lot of guys at least pretend to be happy <laughs> when, when they're winning um one more guy to talk about and that was we we heard from Ephraim Banda today and he talked a lot about the safety position and sort of what that looks like and how they use guys and um, you know, Mary Kay, this safety room is really fascinating between the guys you have at the top of it and Juan and Grant and Rodney McLeod, but then also we're seeing Ronnie Hickman come on. You know, DeAnthony Bell, he was like a core special teamer last year. And I actually, um, when I was transcribing today, I came, his answer on DeAnthony Bell was really interesting. Like he can tackle and that's the safety's job is to tackle. And he's really good at it. Um, He's a violent tackle, I think is what he said. So this is a really interesting safety room. And the Browns have, if, when you're looking at this roster and trying to decide, find the tough decisions, I think safety, the bottom of that room is probably going to be one of them. Yeah, it really is. Um, one of the things that Banda said today is, this room's talented, it's loaded. And he just had the greatest, coolest things to say about uh, so many of those guys. I remember, I, you know, I asked him about Grant Delpit. He gave a great answer on Grant Delpit. I thought that was, you know, that really stood out to me. Um, but it, yeah, they do have some tough decisions to make because, you know, I think that when you have someone like a Ronnie Hickman that can actually go out there in a game and get those takeaways, even though you're against the backups, I still think it's meaningful. I still think big impact plays are meaningful in an NFL game, even if it's a preseason game, even if it's against the backups. And I think you make a name for yourself like that. So I think he's shown enough. I don't know about making the 53, but he's going to try to stick around here. Probably, you know, if on the practice squad or whatever. But, I mean, I think Ronnie's been really good. You mentioned D'Anthony Bell. We've seen him just make play after play after play since last summer. 
Juan. He went on and on and on about Juan Thornhill. Ephraim, the guy that you wrote a nice feature about, <laughs> by the way, is a fantastic quote. I mean, fantastic quote. Whereas Kevin is a little bit, you know, he's starting to try to open up a little bit more. But Ephraim is expansive and loquacious talking about these guys, and it's wonderful. We're like, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay, so Ephraim was a communications major, I think, in college, and so was Kevin, and they must just it's take very totally different, different approach. Approaches. Like, Kevin takes the PR guy approach of I'm going to yeah. say as little as possible and Ephraim's just like oh, I know you guys have a job to do I'll help you out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's fantastic so and you're going to be writing about that Dan so people should be looking forward to that so um Ashley when you kind of look like there is something to be said about having a safety that can just go catch the football you yeah. know I mean ask, ask the 49ers a few years ago when yeah. they had the, the Rams beat if one of their safeties would have just caught the football and instead the Rams go on and win the Super Bowl. So there is something to be said about a safety just having a nose for it and going and catching the ball. So I, I do think that matters. This is a really intriguing room, and I think the way Jim wants to use these guys, to go back to something you've mentioned a few times when we talked to Ephraim again back in the spring, it's not really free and strong safety. It's just guys are just kind of out there. Yeah, and like I think too um... – it's just overall really interesting because of how important takeaways are in the NFL anymore. Like we talk about that all the time, especially the last two years when the Browns have struggled with it. So I agree with Mary Kay. Like, I think it's really hard to just walk away from a guy when he's shown like, Oh, I can, I can go out and actually get the football. But I do wonder, and we, we've kind of started to talk about this a little bit. And Dan, I know you wrote your 53 man, like roster prediction. It's like, would they keep five safeties? And if they do like, where does that attrition come from? And it still looks like D'Anthony Bell is playing ahead of Ronnie Hickman in these games. So I don't know. Like, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with him. But obviously, you know, Ephraim Bannett talked about him and Tanner McAllister and that he you know knows the Ohio State coaches really well. So he, he praised McAllister, too, for some of the plays he's made. So I definitely think it's interesting with these undrafted guys that, like, they went that route. And, I mean, I had seen Ronnie Hickman, like, mocked to them in, like, the later <laughs> rounds of the draft, you know. So when he went undrafted – and they were still able to get him. Um, you know, I think maybe they got a little lucky with what they needed and could maybe have him do. So I definitely think it's going to be interesting and, and to see how that position room shakes out. Okay, let's take a break and then let's talk a little bit about practice. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock sitting outside of the Browns facility in the grass, like we mentioned on my little... Uh, handheld recorder here so the audio sounds a little different but hey it is what it is we did watch a practice today the first one since Tuesday against the Eagles okay I want to run something by you guys a discussion I was having with Lance Reisland just a little quick thing um I felt like today would have been a really great day and this just isn't how this team does it but they hadn't practiced since Tuesday a lot of starters sat out of the game you don't practice tomorrow on Monday it felt like today would have been a good day for just a really competitive, tough practice. But we also know that's just not how Kevin does things. Is I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do this, right? All that matters is do you win in the regular season. But I do wonder, after watching the Eagles for a couple of days, and obviously we're not out there to see their practices every day, but you can tell they practice in a different way. Is, is there a part of you, because there is a part of me that wishes maybe there was just a little bit more physicality and a little bit more competitiveness in these practices than what we see. Am I, am I wrong on, on that, Mary Kay? Do you think there's enough? You know what? 
everyone approaches it so yeah. differently. You know, there are so many different ways to get where you want to go. I remember uh, back when Brian Billick was coaching the Ravens, uh, they had like country club sort of practices. They didn't. <laughs> they did not hit a ton. They didn't tackle to the ground. They didn't do all those things. And they won a Super Bowl. So I just think there are numerous ways of doing things. And these guys, as you guys know, uh, you know, they rely heavily on, you know, their exercise analytics and they delve deeply into when guys recover and how they recover and how many times they should be in pads and what days they need to do this and that. So it's very scientific what they're doing. And so, you know, we'll see. I, I think the proof will be in the pudding. You know, was it a good idea to go away for 10 days to the Greenbrier and then come back and then go away for five days to Philly and do joint practices? You know, I think midway through the season or late in the season, we'll know how the strategy worked. Yeah, and, you know, we had Andrew Gillis on the pod at one point over the summer. He covers Ohio State now for us. But he was talking about Zach Taylor's practices and how they're pretty easy. And that, that team's been pretty successful. He thinks players appreciate that. But I do wonder sometimes, like, we don't want this to be Freddie Kitchens 2.0. Like, his practices went too far. That could be a whole separate pod. I mean, it was pads every day, yelling at officials. Just every period was compete period. It was too much. You don't get anything done in settings like that. I do wonder, though, Ashley, could there be a little, just a little, just amp it up just a little bit, especially on a day like today? Yeah, I mean, I don't, from a situational perspective, I don't hate that idea. I think it is maybe harder for me to judge just because, like, the Kevin practices are all that I really know. Um, but I do kind of get a point to that. I think for me, it just becomes about, okay, like managing the injury risks, especially the last two training camps for this team. It just seems like the wrong guys have gotten injured or had to miss time. And it's like always the people that you talk about before training camp, like, oh, this guy really can't afford to miss any time or they can't afford for him to. So I think that's like my one thing that I'm, I'm bumping on here a little bit. But I do think like there is something to be said about getting that burst of physicality when you can and it is like still a more controlled environment than a game um but on the flip side of that they did just kind of have two really physical practices in philly so i'm not i don't hate it i guess even though those practices were six and five days ago now one thing that really stood out to me about today's practice i was looking out there and i thought this is uh you know the the most complete roster that i have seen out there practicing uh, that, that's what I thought. I was looking out there and I'm like, you know, Miles is out there, Zadarius is out there, Denzel is out there, Amari, Elijah. I mean, pretty much everybody was out on the practice field for like maybe the first time I can remember in camp. And that was what was standing out to me. I was like, they're rounding into shape kind of at the right time as they're heading towards their opener. Okay. Just an old man yells at cloud moment. For me there, I guess, with all that. Just sitting and talking to Lance. It was an interesting discussion. Uh, one guy who did have a really good day, Amari Cooper. Um, and it's good to see him coming back. I said this on our video. I, I was walking out and there was a dad and his kid right behind me. And they were debating like the top five receivers in the league. And they stopped me and they were like, hey, you know, who are just the discussion. And, you know, I don't know that he's a top five guy. I think you could probably debate if he's a top 10 guy. I think he's probably in that group. But when you see it every day, you realize, like, this dude is really, really good. And I think he's a little underrated like that. So, Mary Kay, how good is it, I guess, to see Amari back, getting closer to 100%, being more of that guy that we saw last year? You know, I think it's really, really great. And I've been thinking about this uh, ever since he said the other day, 
that, um, you know, that he thinks he and Elijah could be like those two great receivers from the greatest show on turf. And I covered uh, the NFC championship game that year. Um, yes. And I remember covering Tory Holt and, and Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner. Um, and, uh, you know, so he talked about how he thinks they can be like Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. And Isaac Bruce is in the Hall of Fame, and Tory Holt is going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's a 15-time semifinalist. So um, I got to thinking, is Amari Cooper on a trajectory to make the Hall? And I think he's good enough. I absolutely think he's good enough. Uh, but he needs to stack more years together. I think he needs four more 1,000-yard seasons, four more Pro Bowls, an all-pro or two, it's hard to get there as a receiver. But I think he is getting into that territory to have the credentials to get there. And if he and Deshaun have the kind of connection that we saw out there in practice today, not necessarily in Philadelphia because it was they were off in Philadelphia, but like they did today, uh, if they can keep that going and, and carry that over into the games like they did at times last year, then I think Amari over the next four years, if he sticks around here, uh, he can make a strong case for himself. And Ashley, I mean, we talked about it a little bit after the practice with the drops. Like, you don't worry too much about Amari, and this is kind of why. Um, he's he's going to be fine. He's going to figure it out. And the thing is, when he's healthy and he's right, he, it, this offense just runs so much better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what you what we've already kind of seen, I think, with this offense and him and Elijah is how well they work together and how I think you really need both of them out there for it to be what it is. But I think the thing with Amari is he's a veteran guy. He's one of the best route runners in the league. He can basically do whatever you need him to do. And he did get to show his connection with Deshaun Watson a little bit last year. And I think that wasn't even the full picture just because he was dealing with that core muscle issue. Um, But I definitely think like there's no doubt in my mind he is the number one receiver in that room. You know, I don't think anyone has had a doubt about that, even with the new pass-catching additions and everything like that. Um, and it really is, because he's. you talk to any receiver, he's one of the best route runners in the game. Okay, I think that's everything. Did we miss anything off practice? Um, they did do some situational stuff today. They did a little bit of, you know, it's going to get hot here. we got three practices in a row coming up. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's going to be kind of a game week. For They're kind of setting it up as a game week. Go ahead, Mary Kay. I was just going to say that, you know, we did learn today that uh, the starters are going to play in Kansas City. And I think that's significant uh, because we have only seen Deshaun Watson play one series in the preseason. And you'd hate for him to get to uh, the opener and think that, oh, geez, he needed more. So they're going to try to get him some more. He might play 20 to 25 plays in Kansas City, depending on what the Chiefs decide to do. Uh, And I think that's important. I think you need to get that live rush um, you know, there are some good defenders on that Kansas City defense. They went to the Super Bowl. It's another exposure to a Super Bowl caliber football team. And I think that's good. And it's it's a, the right decision by Kevin. Okay, there we go. Uh, Sunday in the books here. Make sure you find us on Instagram. Just look for Orange and Brown Talk. Follow us on uh, YouTube. Look for Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Search that on YouTube. You'll find us there. And then also become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page for info on all of that for mary Kay and ashley i'm dan thanks for listening everybody